Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts as we roll through the New York Giants off season. We'll be bringing you as, as much content, as much discussion of, of the 2021 season as we possibly can. And here to help me break down what your New York Giants look like currently is a good friend, friend of the show, Emery Hunt of of Football Game Plan. Em, it's been a while. How are you? I'm doing fine. It has been a while, but we've been busy, man. So definitely looking forward to talking some Giants football with you. So hey, we haven't talked. You know, we we talked a couple a couple of weeks before the uh, the, the the NFL draft. Um, have you have you gotten over the shock yet of watching Dave Gettleman, uh, you know, pull two trades in the first two Giants picks? Have you have you have you have you uh, have you recovered from that yet? <laughs> I recovered, and it's funny because you know not only and I've said this before, and this just is not for Dave Gettleman, uh, but just for the league in general. The last two drafts, when less has been more because of COVID nineteen, no, you know, I think the entire league really drafted well for the second year in a row. So maybe they are on, they should be on to something about, you know, maybe we don't need all of these pro days and things like that because it gives us too much information um, and less is more. And we saw Dave Gettleman, despite trading down um, and, you know, picking up an extra first round and a loaded class for 2022, he actually nailed the draft again. And now granted, you could argue the merits of should they have probably taken Justin Fields, but the fact that they, you know, if that's the route they're going to go with Daniel Jones, then so be it. But getting a Kadarius Tony and all these other picks and a pick for next year is like, you know, they did really well. I had no issues with the selections they made. You know, let's, let's dive into, before we actually dive into the, the Giants per se, I want to explore, you know, what you talked about in just in terms of of the draft process. I mean, I have said for a while that the draft process lasts too long. There's there's only so much that you can know about these players. There's only so many times you can check the measurements. You you talk to the people you have to talk to, you talk to the kids. I have contended for a while that there's so many stages to it, so many visits, so many discussions that that what teams wind up doing 
is finding reasons not to draft players. They find reasons to talk themselves out of things. And, and, and I don't know. I, I like a simplified process. You know, one that doesn't, doesn't last quite as long, doesn't involve so many visits. I wouldn't mind having the draft earlier, to be honest with you. Just, just thoughts on, on the process itself. Now, I totally agree with you because think about it. They already have scouts out there, um, all year scouting these players. So the scouts would probably get down to Florida, um, if they're allowed to travel, you know, later this month or next month to go over the 2022 grades, right? For the prospects. So the process has already started and you and I both know, man, you know, just from watching fo- football, you could kind of tell who's the guy you know, on a team and who who the guys are. So you're right. Do we need to go from end of uh, January or early February now with the Super Bowl to late April? I mean, I get why the NFL does it because of TV. You know, you want to, you know, have the people talk about the NFL from February to April. Um, It's just smart business. But we've seen the last two years that teams – are going to go off what the tape says, which is why we've seen the last two drafts look really good for everybody um, top to bottom, as opposed to years previous when you have all that space, where you get too much information, where you're talking yourself out of players like you talked about, and when you're getting um, enamored with what you're seeing in a non-football setting, you're getting enamored by the workouts and, oh, he jumped high, he ran fast, but you know you, you get away from – how well does he play on the field? And I think the pandemic has shown us that if you keep it focused on what's important, you'll end up making good decisions. Think about the Giants draft last year. You know, I thought they nailed their offensive line picks. All those guys played and played well in spurts, right? Um, and then you look at what they did in, in uh, getting guys like, you know, Tate Crowder. He played, he had a, he had a good, you know, stint with them. Cam Brown ended up playing well. Carter Coughlin, when he got out there. Uh, had show some flashes. So it's like maybe this process, um, should be simplified. Xavier, Xavier McKinney made plays when he got on the field. Giant, it is almost like it's a fail proof way for teams, um, to not make mistakes. And I thought the, and it shows you the value of the scouts because we know last year the scouts essentially ran the draft because they had all the information. And I think that's the approach you should have. These scouts have, you know, uh, scouted these players for a full, you know, eight months in some cases for a year in most. So they know a lot about these guys already from a talent perspective and the medicals don't take long for you to gather uh, that information. So I say they should try to keep it simplified, um, and, and roll, roll with it that way. The, the other thing that I find that I think the Giants have done the last couple of years that I think is is also really, really smart. And, and, and I don't know if you saw this, but did you see the Urban Meyer comments, I think before the draft about him freely admitting that there were times he did not tell the NFL, tell NFL teams the truth about certain players because he wanted to side with the players. He wanted the opportunities for the players and he didn't always tell NFL teams the truth. Um, and what it makes me think about is that it's really, really smart for the Giants to rely on 
people that they know will tell them the truth, people they have long-term relationships with, the people from Alabama, the people from Georgia, the people they have on their staff, on their staff that have worked in college and, and, and know some of these players. So, I mean, first of all, just, just your thoughts on, on, on a guy freely admitting that he didn't always tell NFL teams the truth about players and then thoughts on, on, on the Giants, you know, kind of, kind of leaning into their connections a little bit. Both are, are, you know, really good points because if you think about it, it's beneficial for the college coach to talk up his players because he wants those guys to get drafted. Why? So when he goes out recruiting, like, Hey man, look, you come to our school, we have all of these draft picks. And so that's why it's beneficial for the coach to kind of, you know, stay away from the negative and lean into the positive. And as far as the giants going all in on their connections, look at their staff. You know, there's a ton of collegiate experience there. Guys that they know that were out there recruiting some of these players uh, four years ago. So they have a good bit of intel on a lot of these guys and leaning into their connections, not only on staff, but also within that staff and who they know. So, yeah, that approach seems to be working for the Giants as well. All right. So let's let's talk about the guys they did draft. And I don't want to go through each and every one um, at this point. You know, it, it, it's been a little bit of time at this point. But just tell me, you look at the Giants draft and 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 just picks that you really thought that they nailed. Just you know, guys, you're really you, you really think will do well for the Giants. Starting with the first one, Kadarius Tony was outstanding. You know, this is someone I believe his game is is very similar to that of Antonio Brown. You know, when you look at when Brown first got to Pittsburgh, you know, people thought he was just a you know a crossing route type guy, gadget guy. Uh, he's, you know, a little quick, you know, guy that you want the ball in his hands, but develop into a legit game breaker. And I think Tony's the same on the same trajectory. I think people are looking at him wrong uh, in terms of him being a gadget guy. No, that's just what he was asked to do at Florida. But he has a little bit of nuance in his route running. He's going to a great receiver coach and tight Tolbert, and also he has the game-breaking ability with the ball in his hands like an Antonio Brown did uh, when he was, you know, in his heyday at Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh. So I love that pick. That's another one that's, um, you know, he could work well with Daniel Jones, who's not the best deep ball thrower. So with a guy like Tony, you don't have to get him, create ways to get him deep down the field. He can take those short passes a long way. I love what they did on the edges with Aziz Ojolari, in the second round, because remember we talked about this, we didn't see him as a first-round dynamic edge rusher. But if you're getting him in the second round, you're getting someone that's a solid run defender that does have a power rush move that he can utilize, uh, but also helps you know provide good depth or even a, a solid starter um, opposite of a Lorenzo Carter. But Ellerson Smith is one I'm really high on because he has the length, he has the athleticism, he bulked up a bit. Um, and that showed, he showed he didn't lose that athleticism when he was down at the senior bowl with the added weight. If you go back and watch him 2019 against Iowa State, that length and quickness was given, you know, those offensive tackles problems. So he kind of gives you a little bit of an upside type player like an O'Shane Zimenez. So I love how they were able to, you know, get some body that reminds them of Lorenzo Carter and someone that reminds them of, of Zimenez. And, you know, really strengthen the, the edges for the defense. And I thought Aaron Robinson was a, was a knockout as well. It's hard for, for people to 
you know, um, press receivers in the slot because they're off the line of scrimmage. But the way he's able to utilize his footwork and um, and the way he's able to mirror and match in that regard to throw off the timing and make plays on the ball, and he's a bigger corner, you know, that that's something that, to me, that yields itself to him being out there on the field. So I thought they did a really good job with those picks, man. Those are the ones, to me, uh, that, that really stood out. Anything out of those six picks that that kind of made you shake your head, or you're like I, I I don't understand picking that guy, or you know any anybody uh, anybody stand out to you in that way? Maybe I knew they were going to be in a running back market, um, but Gary Brightwell to me was it was kind of a head scratcher. When you think about what they have in Saquon Barkley and what his tools are, you know, elusive, explosive, standout receiver coming out of the backfield, game breaker. Brightwell doesn't have those similar traits. And there were guys that, you know, went undrafted. Let's say like a Javen Hawkins out of uh, Louisville went undrafted. He's with the Falcons now. Or even Elijah Mitchell from University of Louisiana would have been a great fit because he has a lot of those same traits. Explosive, uh, can help out as a returner, dynamic receiver going downfield. I thought that would have been the more ideal pick, especially since you have a raging Cajun uh, coach on your staff now. Um, I thought that would have been kind of the, the way they were going to go. Brightwell, to me, seems like he would have been the best fit for the Coughlin administration as opposed to what they're trying to do now with Saquon Barkley. So I just thought that one was a little bit questionable. But then you see um, how they felt about that pick in some way by the subsequent signings of Raquel Armstead and Clory Commit. Yeah, I wanted to get into the uh the free agent signings of uh of Armstead and Clement. Just uh your thoughts your thoughts on, on those two guys. Uh you know, take take them one at a time, but your thoughts on uh, on what they might get uh out of those two backs. First, you hope Armstead is, is completely healthy. He dealt with COVID the entire season, and he really had long-term effects from it, which is unfortunate because I really like this dude coming out of Temple. You know, he was he was an angry runner uh, coming out of Temple and, and did a good job in that offense, and I thought he was going to carve out that role in Jacksonville, paired up with, at the time, Leonard Fournette, but because he caught COVID and dealt with it all season, he missed the entire year. So health-wise, if he's cleared, ready to go, shows no ill effects, then they got themselves, I think, a solid RB2. Um, and then Clement, we've seen him kind of be a little bit of everything. You know, we've seen him be a valuable asset in the playoffs uh, for the Eagles. We've seen him, you know, do things in this league uh, that the Giants kind of want Deion Lewis to do, you know, had him do. So I kind of see him serving in that role as well. Uh, and, and now when you look at that along those two, along with Devonta Booker, uh, you kind of like their depth now behind Saquon Barkley. All right. I got to put you on the spot with all of those backs. Who's the odd man out? I think uh, Elijah Penny could be the odd man out. I think Brightwell may end up being on a practice squad to be completely honest. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me either. I think the Giants are interested uh, in Brightwell's special teams capability as well, but uh, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him land on 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 the practice squad either. So I ha- I have to ask you um one guy, the Giants only signed 3 undrafted players. 
which is which is really interesting. You know, some some years teams sign you know a dozen or more. The one guy who seems to be drawing attention is Brett Heggie, the the center from from Florida, I believe it is. Are you a believer in Heggie? I've seen guys you know say that they think he might be the center of of the future for the Giants. Are 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 you a guy who thinks that that he can be that? If they want him to, he's my 11th rated center uh, in in my draft guide. And, you know, he's good, solid all-around game. You know, and when you think about uh, what they want in that position, they want someone that gives them a little bit of versatility. Think about the running theme that they've had the last couple of years, guys that have played multiple spots. So he started at both guard spots at Florida, and last year was his first year fully starting at center. So the upside is there. He is uh, a strong point of attack player uh, that's really good in a run game. So you get someone with some upside. He has the guard quickness and is going to really start to grow into the center position. But I'm more excited about Jake Burton, to be honest, out of Baylor. He was at UCLA and was doing really well. He played guard at Baylor last year uh, for the first time after playing right tackle his entire career at UCLA. So again, guys that can play multiple positions up front. So you talk about people that can play guard and center and guys that can play guard and tackle. And I think he is good in pass pro. He's good in the run game. Um, you know, I had a, a higher grade on him. He was my 16th offensive tackle. But, you know, the fact that this guy has played guard and was solid at guard last year for Baylor um, and, and, you know, has experience, extensive experience starting at tackle, just kind of tells you what the Giants want in their offensive lineman moving forward. Well, you know, there are always guys who land on practice squads, you know, late round picks, undrafted guys who land on practice squads as, as developmental offensive linemen. Um, would your guess be, you know, th- that a guy like Burton could uh, could land a spot like that with the Giants this fall? Could, and I can see it for Heggie as well. You know, remember, they, they did that last year with Kyle Murphy, you know, who they really liked out of Rhode Island and had him on the practice squad, you know, the entire season. And so they trust in their system. You know, Burton is a really good player to me. It's going to be hard to keep him off, uh, off other teams, you know, list for trying to poach. So it'll see how, it will see how they compete in camp. But yeah, I can see both Heggie and, um, Burton ended up on a practice squad because the Giants have shown, uh, even with a Nick Gates, you know, even though he spent some time elsewhere and came back, but he was on their practice squad initially in 2018. And that shows you they, they have a system in place that they like to, that they can develop guys at that position. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child 
didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, M. So let's do this. You know, we look at we look at the NFC East, and we know what the Giants have done. We know they finished, you know, technically second in the division, you know, last year. We know what they've done in the off season. Everybody loves making their their off season predictions and over and unders and 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 all those kinds of things. You know, and I don't know. The Giants might win seven games. They might win ten games. I don't know. You know, there's so many factors that that play into all of that. But when I look at it, it just feels like when I keep seeing over and under for the Giants of seven or six and a half or or whatever, it feels to me like the Giants are a team that's not getting enough love you know, nationally, just in terms of how much they've improved, uh, in, you know, head, heading into, heading into 2021 for a team that made as many aggressive moves as they made and, and, and improved the roster as much as they did. It, it feels to me like they're not like, like people are, are, are not, are not giving them enough credit for that. I mean, am I, am I, am I wrong in that respect? Not, not necessarily. I think the trepidation for many is squarely pointing at Daniel Jones. You know, I think people know the Giants defense was the reason why they were flirting with the playoffs last year. The defense got better. You know, they're going to be really good on defense. They're going to be up there, maybe not with the stir studded power of the Washington football team defensive line, but the Giants were almost impossible to run the ball against last year. And the secondary, I think, is going to be tremendous. I think their secondary is better than Washington's secondary. Their secondary may be the best in the division, and that's that's pound for pound um, across the board. I'm talking about corner, nickel, safety. Giants are loaded in the secondary. Um, the linebackers now with a healthy Lorenzo Carter, they're athletic. We saw him having a really good camp last year, and it was he was on pace for a breakout season but got injured. So I like the Giants' defense. Defense alone – uh, should get them six wins. Offensively, when you have a Saquon Barkley back healthy, knock on wood, um, and those added weapons, I think offensively, if they're just going to go with the run the ball, play good defense, they can get to eight or nine wins easily. Um, but going over that, I believe will be on, it will be dependent on Daniel Jones. You know, if Daniel Jones can have this, this leap, um, you know, of, of productivity, then they can get to 11 wins, I believe. But right now, I I think if the over under is six, I'm taking the over. If it's seven, I'm taking the over. I think the Giants are because you know there's no 500 record this year, but I do think the Giants are an eight or nine win team uh, just off run game and defense alone, straight up. Yeah, I tend to agree with that, and I think that's why I keep looking at that. At that that six or seven number and going, I just don't think people are giving the Giants a, enough credit. I do think you're you're absolutely right that so much of this comes down to 
whether whether Daniel Jones takes that leap and and we know that the comparison for Daniel Jones is 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 the leap that Josh Allen took in in uh, 2020 and I don't know if it's fair to expect that kind of a leap into into MVP consideration but you know but I do think that that he has to take some sort of a leap for the Giants to be a really good football team. Do you? I mean, what would your expectation be? Are they gonna? Are if you're looking at it right now, do you think the Giants are are playing around Daniel Jones in 2021, or are they going to win some games because of him? I think they're playing around Daniel Jones. If Daniel Jones, from a stat line standpoint, can get back to, you know, his rookie season. Twenty four and twelve is is what they need from him outside of the two billion fumbles he had that year. If the fumbles go away, and he can give them, you know, twenty four and twelve, they we saw this last year with Trubisky in in the Bears. The, the Bears got to the playoffs two out of three years with Trubisky at quarterback. And Trubisky and Daniel Jones are probably about one and the same, right? Um, now granted, the Bears defense has to be dynamic and the Bears were also playing in a, in a division where their defense could win them some games. Giants division is a little bit unique, a little bit tougher in that regard. Uh, but Daniel Jones doesn't have, like you said, he doesn't have to have the Josh Allen breakout year or the Lamar Jackson unanimous MVP year. He could even have the Sam Darnold year with Sam Darnold you know, the mono year when they were seven and six with him in the lineup. Um, so it's, for me, it's just about Daniel Jones not having those critical fumbles. And we saw last year, the, the good part is we saw last year them be willing to let him be an athlete and let him use his legs and utilize that a little bit more. Now you add that component with Saquon Barkley coming back and, you know, the, the, the improved catch and run weapons we like to talk about. Uh, you know, on a perimeter, they can, if he can just get back to throwing the football like he did as a rookie, then I believe they can get to that 10 win, 11 win mark. Cause eight and nine to me seems to be the floor for a team that's going to be that good defensively, especially in, in, in secondary, um, and also stopping the run and a team that's going to get back one of the most dynamic players in the game and Saquon Barkley. And yeah, they added, a Kadarius Tony, a Kenny Galladay, who's going to be a, a good a chain mover for them, a good red zone threat. Uh, they got a solid duo at tight end now with Kyle Rudolph bringing bring that veteran presence. Uh, the offensive line should be better because they played those those pups last year, and now those guys got legit game experience, and they got better every time they played. So you're going to see the best from Thomas, the best from Pert, and you're going to see Shane Lemieux, uh, Lemieux compete for a starting job. So – he just has Daniel Jones just has to be uh rookie Daniel Jones minus the fumbles and the Giants can get to 11 wins. All right. Hey, Em, always appreciate talking to you. Um why don't you let folks know what you've got going on this summer as we uh as we sort of uh all try to just make our way through the summer and and wait for football this August. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Always a pleasure to jump on. Um, they can, you know, follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. Uh, they can still pick up a copy of uh, the draft guide at footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. We know these, these, uh, rosters are transient during, 
training camp or preseason. And we're working on our draft grades out there. We're working on positional battles for Big Blue View um, as well. And, you know, you know, going by position and breaking down what the Giants look like heading into training camp and preseason. So a lot coming down the pike here between football game plan and Big Blue View, and I'm excited for it. All right, Em, thank you very, very much. And, uh, maybe a little bit, uh, closer to training camp, we'll get you on. We'll talk a little bit, uh, a little bit about, uh, NFC East and, uh, preview some training camp battles. Sounds good. All right. Thank you for listening, Giants fans, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye now.